Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. from, but the people over here at Littleton today are fired up. Littleton, will you help me and welcome everybody else? I want to welcome all the Denver locations, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, all three guys behind bars. We love you so much. We're so glad that you're with us. Our God doesn't do coincidences, so we believe that no matter where you're joining, I know a bunch of you are online right now. You're in houses and offices and cars and bikes and hikes and trails and bench presses and wherever you're at, we want you to know that you're not joining with us today by accident. We believe God has something really, really special in store for you. So thank you for being with you, with us. We love you like crazy. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Go ahead and have a seat. Let's pray. God, we need you today. We invite your presence into this space into our homes and cars and offices and gyms and church buildings and schools and everywhere else that we're watching and listening to this from right now. We just ask that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us about not only what we're going through right now, but the plans you have for us. And God, I pray that that, that there would be a divine amount of faith and encouragement and peace and freedom felt as we get into your word today in Jesus name and everybody who's believing it with me said amen amen Amen. hey so um this has been an interesting week for me getting ready for today and and my my wife knows all about this and and some of the guys know I spent about a a week getting ready for what I thought was going to be this weekend's sermon and then yesterday you can ask Jill yesterday I woke up and I was just like I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like nope you missed it. And I was like, cool, you gonna write a new sermon? <laughs> and uh, so I just, here, here's the thing, we're not in a series right now. And so if you're new to Red Rocks, we, we do these things called series every now and then, and we come up with a cool title, at least cool to us. And, and we talk about the same thing for a few weeks in a row, but we're not in one of those. And so what me and Ronnie and Doug do is we talk to each other, to staff members, to people in the church, we pray. We try and figure out, okay, if we're not in a series, like what's the issue that we could talk about this week that would really help people in our church family? What's the issue? And so for for the last few weeks, I've been going, God, what's the issue? God, what's the issue? God, what's the issue? And I couldn't get Matthew 6, 33 out of my head. And so yesterday I woke up going, God, I have the issue. I, I feel like I have what we're gonna talk about. And he's like, no, no, no. Why don't we talk about the thing that takes care of every issue? Go ahead and put Matthew 6.33 up. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in every single issue, everything you'll deal with, every problem you'll come across, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
And I was going, God, what's the issue? God, what's the issue? God, what's the issue? And I felt like his message for us as a church family today is, is no matter what you're going through right now, the answer to your problem is found in my presence. And in my presence, there is power. And if you, if you just seek my presence, I'm going to take care of every other issue, no matter what it is, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good you think you're doing, bad you think you're doing, close to God you feel, far away from God you feel. He says, one step into my presence and watch what happens. And so the title of today's message is The Promise of His Presence. The Promise of His Presence. Tell your neighbor, say, it's a promise. I feel like I've been having the same conversation for 14 months. And the conversation that I've been having with a whole bunch of you and a bunch of friends and even pastors at other churches is everything's changed. Everything's different. Jobs different. Some jobs are flourishing. Some have lost. Some companies shut down. Some are doing great. School's different. Sports are different. Travel's different. Stock market's up and down. Like everything, everyone in the world is to some degree dealing with some sort of trying to pivot, trying to figure out a new normal, trying to change. And so I feel like no matter what the issue is, every conversation kind of ends the same, which is, and I don't know what to do. We're dealing with this and this and this, and this has changed, and we're trying to make it happen, and I don't know what to do. I feel like God's calling me to stay where I'm at, and I'm feeling kind of restless, but I just feel it, and I don't know what to do. I feel like God's calling me to move, calling me to leave, calling me to transition into something else, and it's a risk, and it's a challenge, and I like comfort, and I don't know, and I don't know what to do. And, and I feel like as I was studying this topic today and really trying to dive into Matthew 6, I kept feeling like that's the answer. That's the answer every single time, every single time. We don't know what to do. The answer is I don't know what to do, so I'll quit focusing on my emotions and focusing on my problems, and I'm going to turn into his presence, and I'm going to step into his throne room of grace with some confidence and get help and mercy when I most need it in my time of need. We need his presence. So we're going to look at three situations today, three different times where there's a group of people going, I don't know what to do. And the answer is my presence, my presence. There's power in my presence and my presence, my presence is my promise to my people. And you can step into it and there's power. All right, let's go. If you have a Bible, flip open to second Kings chapter six. We're going to start in verse 15. Let me set this up for you. So I think in like weird pictures in my mind when I'm reading the Bible. So in my mind, here's how I see it. The nation of Israel is over here, and the bad guys are over here, all right? We got the good guys, we got the bad guys. And the bad guys are trying to attack and overthrow the nation of Israel, but every time they decide, here's where we're going, or here's where we're going, or here's where we're going, there's this guy over here, this prophet named Elisha, and God keeps telling Elisha what these guys are going to do to attack the nation of Israel. And so every time they're about to go to A, Elisha goes, A king, A. It doesn't work. Okay, we're going to go plan B. Elisha goes, king, B. And pretty soon, these guys figure out, we can never attack these guys unless we take him out. We got to take out Elisha. So we're going to pick up a story. that It's Elisha and his friend who doesn't even get a name in this story. He is, he's his right-hand man. He's his wingman. And, and these two guys are trying to, to, to be a part of building the kingdom of God on earth. And now an entire country has come to take them out. All right? 
after we pick up this story. Okay, when the servant of the man got up, that's the, the servant of Elisha, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Leave it there for a second. Oh, no. Oh, no. He goes to Elisha. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. So, so picture this. If you're this guy, we don't know his name, but here's his story. I'm just a guy, and I'm just doing my best, and I'm trying to follow the plan I think God has for my life. And like, I love God, and, and I don't always know if I'm getting it right, but I'm trying real hard, and I think this is what God's called me to do, and I think I'm supposed to be his wingman, and so I support him, and I think this is my calling, and I'm trying to walk in. I'm just trying to do what I think God's been asking me to do, and all of a sudden, everything in my life feels like it's falling apart. Come on, have we ever felt that? Like only every single one of us who's tried to follow the plan God might have for you, right? I'm trying to follow the plan I think God has for me. I know I'm just a broken human in a broken world, but to the best of my ability, I think this is what God wants me to do. Yet, why is nothing working out? Why is nothing falling into place? And what do I do now? That's where this guy's at. So he goes to Elisha. Oh no, Lord, what should we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Hey, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Take a deep breath. You don't have to have a meltdown. You don't have to be so discouraged. You don't have to be full of all kinds of anxiety and hopelessness and depression. Just don't be afraid, the prophet answered. See, the prophet sees things one way and his buddy sees things one way. And because he sees it this way and he sees it this way, he lives afraid, he lives with peace. One focuses on the problems, one focuses on God's presence, one has anxiety, one has peace. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Relax, relax. I'm going to help you see things the way I see things. Those who are with us, he's talking about the presence. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prays, God, he doesn't see it yet. He doesn't have my perspective yet. He doesn't realize your presence is here. All he sees is his emotions and the problem. God, would you open his eyes, Lord, so that he can see, so that he can see the way I see? Keep going. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All right, picture this. I'm scared to death because all I feel is my emotions and all I see is the things that aren't working out and I don't know what to do next. And then his friend goes, well, you know what? I understand that because I deal with that at times too. But what I'm doing right now is I'm focusing on the fact that God's with us. God, would you help him acknowledge and realize your presence is with us and we don't have to be afraid? And he looks again and he sees horses and chariots of fire, the armies of heaven surrounding them. And now anxiety goes to peace because now I'm not focusing on my problem. I'm focusing on God's presence. He says the answer is in the presence. And what I love about this guy, although he didn't have the proper perspective from the jump, what I love that he did is he didn't keep his fears to himself. He didn't keep his, I don't know what to do, and I'm freaking out, and I'm really scared, and I have this anxiety. He didn't keep it to himself. He went to a guy that he knows loves God and said, I'm going to get real with you. I'm going to share what's really going on. Church, I talk to too many of us these days. There's too many of us these days, and, and I don't know what the deal is, but there's too many of us that we forget. This is not a courtroom. This is a hospital right here. We don't come to, when's the last time? If you go to a hospital, what's the last thing you want to do? Pretend you're okay. No, I'm hurt. Let me tell you how I'm hurt. Can you help? That's the point. 
Too many of us are coming to church pretending we're stronger than we are. Too many of us are going to small group pretending we're stronger than we are. Too many of us are doing life on our own. And we got this idea that like, yes, my relationship with God is just between me and God, but I was never supposed to walk in this in my life with just me and God. We're supposed to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. We see that all through scripture. And there's too many of us that are going, I'm hurting, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, but I'm not going to tell anybody because and we got great reasons. I don't want to burden them. They don't need my problems. Or we got pride. Or the truth is, somewhere deep down in there, I just want you to think I'm good. I want you to respect me. I want you to think I'm a little stronger than I am, right? I was in the gym the other day, and something tragic happened. I'm just going to tell you right now. I think this has happened once before in my life, and I think I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I was doing a chest and try workout, and my last exercise of the day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do decline. Nobody likes to do decline. There's never a line for the decline. All right. Here, in fact, and I, as soon as I say it, I was like, man, I think there's going to be people in the church that they don't even know what the decline is because it's so like, you know, out of bounds. So would you put that picture up of the decline? Right. That's Ronnie right there on the decline. So what I want you to see there is I put this picture up there because see where his feet are to get in the decline. You sit on top of that thing and your feet go underneath the other thing and you're upside down, and all your body weight and, and blood is going to your head. And once you pick up the weights, here's what I want you to see. Your feet are welded in place, all right? They're not going anywhere. That's where you're at. All right, take Ronnie off the screen. I'm on the decline. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling good today. Let's put on some weight today for me. Okay, it's all relative. So I put on what the most weight that I ever do on the decline. I put that on there, four or 500 pounds. doesn't matter. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, if I could get two, I just want to feel it. I just want to feel the weight. I'm not going to do 10. Who am I kidding? But I don't feel it. I do two. I got these two voices in my, you know, kind of like one on each shoulder. And one of them's like, hey, psst, you should ask for a spot. And one of them on the other side is like, Psst, who are you, Ronnie? You're strong, brah. Don't need no help. I don't need a spot. Turn my music up louder. That'll get it done. Get in this thing. I'm hanging upside down. I got the weight. Guys, one, he's right. I'm strong today. Two, keep going. Wait, was this the safe guy? Well, my bad. This guy. Yeah, this guy, this guy. This guy's, this guy's going, you, you got more. Three. I, I'm not kidding. I've never done this many. Four. I get it. I'm struggling at four, but I get it up. And the one on this guy, the safe side, goes, hey, rack the weight, bro. <laughs> Again, hey, Ronnie, go ahead. Rack the weight. Or be a man and do five. Oh, I got five. Guys, I go down, I get halfway up, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And it starts coming back. You're upside down. It's not coming back to my chest. It's coming back to my neck. And all of a sudden, I realize this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to get choked. 
to death on the decline wearing all Red Rocks Church swag. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry I embarrassed you at the gym this week. I'll stop wearing your shirts. I'm not kidding. It's about to choke me. I'm like, I'm going to, this is how I go out. This is how, and, and thank God this, this like coolest teenager you've ever seen comes over. He's like, bro, picks it up, racks it for him. I was so, I exerted so much of myself trying not to die that I couldn't even sit up. I rolled out of the decline and I just was on the floor for a second. And I was like, oh, God. And, I, and then I got up and you know how you get up too fast. Sometimes you're lightheaded. I'm like, I think I'm going to fall over. And then I'm, and once I started to get my bearings, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many people saw this? Here, it gets worse. <laughs> 10 feet away from me doing shoulder shrugs is one of my closest friends and one of the original gangsters of this church, the one and only Chad Brugman. <laughs> I'm like this, I'm just trying to, Regather, I'm like, what happened? And he turns around and I go, Did you see that? Did you see what? And he goes, No. I go, I just about died on this thing. And you did nothing to help me. He goes, I didn't know. I didn't see. He goes, Trust me, you don't think I wanted to see that? I wanted to see that. I didn't know. Ten feet away from me. I'm dying. He doesn't do anything to help. You know why? Because he didn't know I was struggling. And there's too many of us walking into church services these days, 10 feet away from men and women of God, and nobody knows you're in a fight, and you're dying on the inside, and nobody's helping you because they don't know you're in a battle. There's too many of us going to small groups right now, 10 feet away from men and women of God who could join us on the fight and pray for us and get in the game, and they don't know we're struggling, and so they don't even know there's a fight to be had. Enough, enough, enough. We've got to change it. If this is your church family, get on the app this week. Get on the website this week. Get in a small group. If you can't find one that fits your liking, start one. We'll train you in a nanosecond, and you can run your own. And then when you're in a small group, start getting real with somebody. Enough with the man. I just, you, you, know, you know the truth? I knew Chad was there. I know he's a man of God. Truth is, I wanted him to think I was a little bit stronger than I am. And all it did was hurt me. We got to stop it, church. We got we to take our hurts to somebody, to men and women who love God, because here's what they do every single time. They push us back to the promises of God, which is no matter what you're going through, let's get into the presence together. I'll fight with you. And there's power in the presence. And there's power in his name. And it'll change everything. See? Elisha is... Through this prayer and through his actions of faith, he's reminding his friend of the promises of God. That's what he's doing. He says, I see it, but you don't see it. God, help my friend see it. Let him, let him see your presence. He's reminding him of the promises. Would you put those promises up on the screen? I want to remind you of some promises today. Take a screenshot. You guys know I like to do this. I want you to take these into your prayer closet this week. If you're feeling like, man, I don't know what to do. We're in a season of transition. I'm feeling lonely. Things are changing. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling confused. I don't know what to do next. Take these into your prayer closet with you this week. You know what? I don't have to. What was Elisha showing his friend? We don't have to know how the battle's going to turn out because God's with us. 
That's all we need to know. I don't need to know how it's going to turn out. All I need to know is my God is with me, and my God is protecting me, and my God is providing for me, and my God is fighting for me, and my God will never leave me. That's all we need to know. We focus on what we don't. When we're, when we're overran, when our thoughts are overran with what we don't know, then focus on what we do know, which is God promises us, I'm with you, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, I'll fight for you, and you couldn't get rid of me or my love if you tried. I'm not going anywhere. I got you. Focus on what we do know. See, God knows that we need constant reminders of this stuff, don't we? Because we just forget. And then we get in the middle of tough situations and we start feeling all these emotions and we forget, don't we? I'll never forget several years ago, I was preaching at a Christmas Eve. Well, we were doing about a million Christmas Eve services at the time. So I was preaching at a whole bunch of Christmas Eve services at our Lakewood campus. And my wife calls me on the way there. She's like, hey, babe, don't forget you're taking the boys home today. I'm like, got it. She sees me in the lobby before church. Hey, babe, babe, babe. You got the boys? That's two times, babe. (laughs) That's two times you've told me. I got the boys. Heard you the first time. Know what I mean? (laughs) I'm getting ready to go on stage to preach. She hits me, Andrew, she hits me up backstage. Babe, babe, I hope your message goes great. Don't forget the boys. (laughs) I preach a message. I go put my iPad back in my iPad or in my backpack. I look down on my phone. I see a text message from Jill. I pick it up. It's, hey, don't forget the boys. (laughs) I text her back. I'm like, why do you keep telling me the same thing? She goes, because I love you, (laughs) but you forget things. I went out in the lobby, and I was just handshaking and hugging, and Remember when we used to hug people? You guys remember that? Like, there would be a thousand people in the church, and I would hug half of them. Like, 10 to 20 of them were coughing while I hugged them. You know what I mean? I didn't even think about it. I'm like, I'll, I'll hug that cough right out of you. Come here for a second. Like, we, that used to be our lives. You remember that? We used to hug coffers. Um, so I'm hugging people, and I'm doing my thing, and, and I forgot the boys. I know. And I got home, and when I got home, the house was completely empty and so quiet, and that didn't even remind me that I forgot the boys. And no kidding, a friend texts me later and goes, hey, I'm in your driveway, and I go, well, that's weird. And I go outside, and he goes, here's your children. He's like, we were shutting down the church. I just thought you might want them. And of course, my next conversation with boys, what's this going to cost me to keep this from mom? We just need reminders, don't we? The second thing we're going to look at is Joshua chapter one. Flip over to Joshua chapter one. Joshua is, man, he is, he's struggling. His mentor and closest friend just died. He and a whole bunch of friends have literally been in mourning and heartache and depression for a a month. And then God puts a call on his life. God says, I want you're, you're in the middle of transition now, and I'm putting you in a new position, and now you're a leader, and I want you to take the whole nation of Israel across the Jordan River at flood time, which can't be done, into the promised land, which Moses couldn't do in 40 years. Good luck. Go get them. And he's like, oh my gosh, so many unanswered questions. I don't know what to do. And God's like, that's okay, because I'm just going to remind you nonstop that the way you can do the things you don't know how to do is just to focus on my presence. He says, before you even go into the battle, that's what I want you focusing on. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I know you're scared. I know you don't want to do next. Notice he doesn't doesn't tell him what's going to happen next. He says, the only answer you need is my presence. 
I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. No matter how bad it gets, I'm there with you. So guess what you can be? Strong and courageous, because you're going to lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Yeah, but how are we going to cross the Jordan? Don't need to know that. All you need to know is I'm with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. But how am I going to get through this? And what are the details? And where are we going? Doesn't matter. All you need to know is I'm going with you, and you couldn't get rid of me if you tried. Before you ever step into any battle, all you got to know is my God's with me. Just, just remember that, Joshua. But he knows. I, I got to keep telling him. I don't want him to just know before the battle because he's going to get in the middle of the battle and he's going to get tired and frustrated and emotional. And he's going to forget. So I got to remind him in the battle too. <clears throat> Joshua 3. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may know that I am with you, just like I was with Moses, just telling them my presence, my presence, my presence. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Joshua. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. That was something that they carried with them that represented the presence of God. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that you think is, holds my presence. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. What, what, what Joshua doesn't know is, is they're going to go stand in the middle of a flood. A miracle happens way upstream, but they won't see it for quite a while. So they're going to go stand in the middle of a flood. It's going to be a battle in and of itself just to keep trusting God because everything feels like it's going wrong. And all I am now is a guy who's trying to do my best to follow God, but nothing's going right. And God says, I know there's going to be those seasons so take the Ark of the Covenant and put it out in front of you in the middle of the flood. And so every time you feel like you're about to drown, just remember I'm with you. And every time you don't have the answer you wish you had, just remember I'm with you. And every time one of those details that you were hoping that domino was already going to fall, every time it doesn't fall, just remember that's okay because I'm with you. But when's the domino going to fall? Not important. All you need to know is I'm with you because there's power in my presence and my presence is my promise and I'm with you. If you read chapter four, and I won't for the sake of time, how are we doing? Oh, we're good. If you don't, uh, if you read chapter four, you're going to see that he wants him to remember his presence after that little battle. He told him before, think about my presence, I'm with you. In the middle of the battle, think about my presence, I'm with you. And after the battle, God does this miracle, opens up the river, they go to the other side, close, about to close up the river, and they're like, we're in the promised land, let's go, let's go party and explore. And, and God's like, no, 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 get back here. Go back in that river, get 12 large stones, and come build a memorial over here, because I want you to remember what just happened. You didn't have any of the details. All you had was my presence, and you experienced my power. That's all you need to know. And then he goes on to goes, tell your kids about it. Tell your kids' kids about it. Every time somebody sees this, I want you to remember you didn't have the information you thought you needed, but you had my presence, and it worked out better than you could have hoped for. Before the battle, I want you to know. In the battle, I want you to know. After the battle, I want you to know. And if I'm Joshua, it's about then that I'm texting him going, why do you keep telling me the same thing? Because I love you, but you forget things. Isn't that it? Because I love you, but you forget things. And see, the point is, I think the point that God was making to Joshua is the reason he wanted him to know, you can have my presence before a battle, there's peace in my presence. 
And you can have my presence in a battle, and there's peace in my presence. And you can have my presence after a battle, and there's peace in my presence. Because here's the problem. Joshua is just like all of us. And if we're not careful, we're tempted to go through our whole life only experiencing and allowing ourselves to feel peace after a victory. The problem is that's only one-third of the whole deal, right? A third of our life is getting ready to go into a battle. And a third of our life is in some kind of battle. And then every now and then we get a victory, and what happens? Here comes another battle, right? It's like, what's the reward for graduating first grade? You got to go through second. Oh, but I got through second. What's my reward? Third. That's life, isn't it? And God's saying, Joshua, if the only time you feel peace is when you're not in a battle, you're not going to have much peace in your life. I want you to know that you can live at peace. You can have peace and joy and confidence before a battle, heading into a battle, in the middle of a battle, after one battle, on the verge of another one. You can have peace the whole time because what did I tell you? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, no matter where you're at with the highs and lows. And I want you to have peace your whole life. See, we, we sometimes try to crush our prayer life and crush time in the Bible when everything's falling apart. And the problem is, is like, I just feel like God's going, I love you so much that, of course, let's do this. But wouldn't it be great if you lived with my presence all the time? Because you could have peace your whole life. Because what, really what, we, what we don't really want is, God, help me through this one problem. What we really want is, give me the peace and the confidence to walk through any problem for the rest of my life till I spend my eternity with you in heaven. That's what we really want. All right, we're going to go on to the last. Well, you know what? Let me read this, John 16, 33. Um, I think this is, this is Jesus telling us exactly what I think God was, having, was showing Joshua. Go ahead and put that up. I have told you these things. Here it is. So that in me you may have peace. I want you to have peace before your battles, in your battles, after your battles, in between battles. I want you to have peace. Here it is. In this world, you're going to have battles. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome them. You can actually do life in a relationship with me in such an authentic level that I can provide you peace no matter where you're at in the highs and the lows. And that's what I want for you as my kids. He was so passionate about this, Jesus was, that it's the very last thing he ever said before he left this world. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, what we've heard forever, and it's true because it's part of it, is the Great Commission, right? That's what he said right before he left. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize in the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you. Let's look at it, and I want you to see the very last thing Jesus wanted us. To, you know when you're leaving, like the last thing you say is the most important, isn't it? My mom passed away recently, and, and we've said a lot of things to each other over our entire lives. But when we both sat there in the hospital together and held hands and we knew this is our last conversation, it changes what you talk about, doesn't it? Jesus knows until I come back and get my kids, this is my last conversation. It's the last thing I get to say. And so watch how important this concept is to him. Then Jesus came to them and said, excuse me, <clears throat> all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He said, life with me is about the go. Don't be frozen with unanswered questions. Don't get frozen with fear. You don't have to feel stuck. I'm with you in it, before it, after it. Go. 
and make your life about helping people find Jesus and get into heaven. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here it is. The last thing I get to say to you before I come back and take you to heaven, because I know life is full of highs and lows, because I know that struggles are real, because I know that heartache is real, because I know that unanswered questions feel paralyzing sometimes. So here's the last thing I want you to know. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Every single place you go, good days, bad days, everything in between, I'm with you. Take my presence. That's the answer to your problem. Get in my presence. Let my power change the game. Now, this is what's cool about this. Doug and Ronnie and I got a little nerdy on this passage this week, and we looked up the Greek. This, original, this was originally written in Greek, right? So what we're reading is our English translation. Well, that little phrase, with you, it doesn't really do it justice, I don't think, for us, of what, what was actually being communicated, because we hear, God's with you, and we go, mm-hmm, okay, doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> with you is this Greek word, meta. Go ahead and put that definition up. This is, this is so good. I'm in company with you, I'm behind you, and I'm beyond you. It changes the way we see it, doesn't it? With you, it's like we're holding hands and walking together. That's how I, that's how I picture it. But what was actually said was meta in the Greek, which is, oh, I'm with you, I'm behind you, and I'm beyond you. See, God's presence, this, I know this hurts the mind a little bit, but is not confined to time and space. So he says, I'm with you right now. I was with you this whole time. My presence is beyond where you're at right now, working on things you don't even know need to be working. I'm beyond you. My presence is beyond you, fighting battles you don't even know you're going to be going through, in places you don't even know you're going, in seasons of life you've never been to yet. See, this changes the game. Because here, let me, let me give you an example. Let's say that you feel like, man, I feel like God's calling me to Kansas. Well, first off, I apologize. Take it up with him when you get to heaven. Um, I feel like God's calling me to leave everything and move to Kansas. Here's the way I've always seen it. God's going to come with me. And so when I hit the border of Kansas and I start to look around and go, here's all the problems, then God's going to be there with me going, yeah. Let's go get him. But he's with me. No, 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 that's not, what, that's, not, that's not what he said. He didn't say, I'm just with you. He said, my presence is also behind you. My presence is also beyond you. It's out in front of you. That means I've been working on problems you didn't even know you were gonna have in Kansas before you ever even got there. I'm not heading to Kansas with you. I'm greeting you at the border going, welcome. My presence has been here working on your behalf before you ever arrived. See, it changes the game when you start to understand his presence like this. And, and some of you may be going, yeah, that's fancy church talk. It doesn't work that way. And I'm telling you, it works this way. I, I've, I've lived it. The biggest transition I've ever had in my life with my career was, I just thought of a stupid joke. Shut up. Um, was when I left, me and Jill and our one-year-old, almost two-year-old son, Ethan, left Illinois and moved to Denver and Austin would be born a month after we, a couple months after we got here. And, and it, was a, it was a real scary thing for us. We felt like it was what God was calling us to do, but it meant, it meant leaving our life. 
and family and comfort and jobs and paychecks and health insurance. And she was pregnant and we didn't know how that's going to work out. And like, it was scary. So here's what I was doing. It's about 17 years ago, way less gray hair. I would go in the sanctuary of this big, huge church where I worked. And I would, I would go in there in the weekdays when no one would be in there. And, and, and I would fast and pray and write in a journal. And here, here, I wish I had footage of it. I would, I would kill to have footage of this because what you'd see is me just walking back and forth. Going, I literally made a list in my journal of all the things that didn't work out right. Let me tell you why it's not going to work. And I just read him all the lists every day. Got no food, got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. It's not going to work. And then I would say things like, why don't you care? Why won't you give me the answers? Why aren't you with me? I just feel alone. I'm scared, God. That's the truth. I'm scared and you're not giving me any answers. And I don't understand. You know that feeling? Here's what I didn't know. In Denver, Colorado, a family by the name of the Brugman family, Scott and Lori, and their girls had moved to Denver. And they spent two years traveling to over 100 and some churches just raising money to start this thing that he was calling in his mind Red Rocks Church. And, and he thought it was going to be a youth outreach. And so he would go to skate parks in the day and he wouldn't pretend he had anything to do with church, he would make up some line like, oh, I'm just doing some surveys. And he would ask the kids at the skate parks, like, have you ever been to church? I'm like, what do you hate about it? <laughs> this is real. He would do that. Like, and he was, he was trying to get a pulse for the, for the city of Denver. And he spoke in a church one time and God miraculously paired him with a guy named Todd. And they got in a prayer meeting one night. And in the middle of the night, they thought God told him to go up to the back corner of a theme park called Heritage Square. And they found the grossest room in the entire place. And they called the management the next day. And the management was like, you want that? That we use for our haunted house once a year. It's so gross. If you'll put carpet in it, you can have it free for a year. And then some great family donated some money. And they started renovating this thing that they were calling Red Rocks Church, but it just had never had a service yet. And then one day God said, Scott, I don't think it's going to be just a youth thing. This is going to be a fully functioning church. And Scott was like, well, God, I don't know if that's me because I think you need to send a senior pastor. And here I come up to Heritage Square one day because my friend Chad told me to visit his brother. And he's like, Scott's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, I think me and Jill are going to move to Denver and I'm going to be a senior pastor, but I have no idea what we're going to do because God doesn't care about me. And he goes, well, why don't you be the senior pastor of this church? And my heart went, and we joined together and decided to start a church together. Listen, listen, listen. Don't clap yet. Clap here in just a second because I want to finish this and you're going to get me off kilter. I'm walking around doing what some of you are doing in your life right now. Just trying to do like what I think you want me to do, God. This isn't working and this isn't working and this isn't working. And Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you're just not listening I'm just trying to follow you, and I don't know what to do. God's presence isn't just with you in this moment, comforting you, telling you it's going to be okay. His presence has gone behind you, and his presence is beyond you. It's out in front of you, and he's going, I know what's going to happen. And when you get here, I'll meet you at the border. I've already been fighting battles you didn't even know you were going to have to fight. My presence is all-encompassing. That's what we need. That's the answer. His presence Band, you can come on up. Guys, I'm going to finish with that Ephesians 3 passage. 
the Apostle Paul is talking to some of his, some people he loves, a church like this. And he says, I know what it feels like to go through these times in life when you don't know what's next and you don't know what's happening. And I know you feel stuck. And, and sometimes you feel like I'm, I'm paralyzed. Yeah, I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's unanswered questions. I don't know if it's just like lack of understanding. God, I don't know, but it's just not working out and I don't know what to do. Paul says, I know that. I know that feeling. He said, let, 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 let me pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you in faith that that's about to change because you're going to start to focus on all these problems and emotions a little bit less and you just start to make yourself more and more aware of the fact that my presence is with you and it's gone behind you and it's in you and it's gone beyond you and you can't, you can't lose. Go left, I'll be there. Go right, I'll be there. It's not the answer that matters. It's the fact that I'm going with you that matters and you couldn't get rid of me if you tried. So let's go make some decisions and let's go change the world and I'm going with you. Here it is. Here's the prayer. I love this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, could you, could you allow the word of God to apply to you right this minute? I pray that out of his glorious riches, God's going to strengthen you. He's going to strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Oh, come on. That's what we crave. God, right here's where it seems to hurt. Right here's where all the questions are that I can't make sense of. That's okay, because I'm going to give you some strength through the power of my spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm going to build your faith today. I'm going to build your excitement today. I'm going to give you power through my spirit today. I'm going to pray that you would be rooted and established in love. Now listen, God says he is love. So we can replace the word love with him, himself, his presence. So read this understanding. He's also referring to his presence. Established in my presence. That you would have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Stop keeping this stuff to yourself. Share it with somebody that loves God because they're going to push you back to my promises. And I want you to start to grasp this. Son, daughter, can you start to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is my presence, the presence of Christ, and to know that this presence, get this, it surpasses knowledge. You don't need to have the answers you've been dying to have. Take a step of faith. Let's go change the world. My presence is all you need. It surpasses all the knowledge you wish you had, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, this is our lives. And if we're not in it, what we know is, is it won't be long till we are. I feel like, uh, I know with me, God, I feel like when I, when I get into some funky seasons where I start questioning everything and I feel like that's when Satan loves to pounce. And he starts whispering lies in our ear. Lies that say you don't care. And that you're not paying attention. And that we don't deserve God's favor. And we don't deserve God's attention. And we don't deserve to be blessed. And we don't deserve to have prayers answered. And so we better just stay quiet. And we better just learn to live with our lot in life. And I pray by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, that we would 
demolish all lies in our mind today and stand on the truth of the Word of God, that His presence is with us, it's been with us in our past, it's with us in our present, and it's beyond us in our future. And whether we go left, right, up, down, it doesn't matter. He's going with us every single step of the way. And I pray for faith to begin to replace fear right now in Jesus' name, for excitement and expectancy and joy to replace depression right now in Jesus' name as we begin to realize our God goes with us and he will never forsake us in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, let's stand up, let's worship. Hey, we're going into a song. We're gonna sing a song called Nothing Else. And I'm gonna ask you to let the words of this song become a proclamation for your soul. I don't know what's happening in this next season of life. I don't know what the answers are to my questions. But what I realize today is none of that matters. I need his presence that surpasses my knowledge. So I just want him. And when I have him, I don't need anything else. Amen? Let's worship.